0: Don't ever be embarrassed about that. No, be embarrassed about it if it's your husband or your (laughs) wife, but don't, man, don't, don't like, oh man, I had to take care of my kid. No, they're kids. That's why they have you. And I can't tell you how many times I just kind of glance over here and Andrea's doing something to Jaron or Jackson, (laughs) trying to get them to lock in like they need to. It's just a, it's a process and and that's a blessing, and that in, that encourages my heart. And I don't I don't ever want to embarrass someone. I just I want to direct your attention to reasons why we get to enjoy what we get to enjoy at this church. And and when we when there's an example I can point you to, um, and and we see many of those. I was I was out in the foyer during the handshaking time talking to Brother Josh Murphy and Brother Jesse Knoll. And man, I I appreciate our safety guys. Just just a blessing. Every one of you, you're a blessing, and I'm I'm thankful for your investment in that way. Looking at looking at brother Jesse, man, got on them nice jeans and boots, and then a and then a coat and a tie. And you see brother Zach, in nice jeans. And we've 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 talked about this. The the goal is not to make everybody look like this. You have, to have, you have to have some kind of expectation or some kind of standard to keep everybody on the same page. And I love it when individuals will take their style, whatever it is, and just get on board. Hallelujah. No, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. That spirit is a blessing. You mean, okay, anyway, just enough of that. I'm moving on with it. I just, I'm thankful for that. And I, I appreciate the spirit that is demonstrated in so many ways by so many different people um, in, doing, in doing that. That is, that is a great blessing. All right, we're continuing in Luke chapter 4 in uh, the series of Savior for All Sinners, but we're pausing for a little bit on the temptation of Jesus. So let's go ahead and stand to honor God's word as we read it. Last week we gave an overview and just kind of pointed out some main ideas about this, but we're going to look at a a few different things uh, regarding the dynamic of the temptation of Jesus that I hope will be a help to you. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could avoid temptation? Wouldn't it be awesome to never be tempted? To never feel it? To never struggle with it? Now come on, talk to me. What, I mean, wouldn't it, let, let, me, let me talk to my sisters. Ladies, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be wonderful to never struggle with a single thought ever again? Wouldn't that be amazing? Brothers, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to live in this world and to never, under any circumstances, ever, have to wrestle with your mind or your flesh over anything ever again. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing to never struggle with your temper? Wouldn't it be amazing to never struggle with security or pride? Wouldn't it be amazing to never struggle with sexual temptation or less? Wouldn't it be amazing to never be tempted again? It would be. Well, that day is coming, but we're not there yet. And so I'm thankful for the example of our Savior. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And so the devil, the implication of the text in verse 2 is the devil was tempting him even during that process. But now at the end of the forty days There is a very targeted temptation that manifests itself in three ways. And so we're going to look at the characteristics of those temptations. In verse 3, and the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation... He departed from him for a season. So tonight, the title is this, The Characteristics of Temptation. We just we want to delve a little bit into the, each temptation specifically and understand that the characteristics that were a part of Jesus' temptation will be very similar to how you will be tempted in the, in the areas that Satan is going to try and target you. So let's pray, and then you can be seated. Fathers, thanks so much for letting us be here tonight. And then for the, the opportunity, but God, thank you for people who choose to be here, both those that are watching online and those that are assembled here. Father, thank you for it. Um, already, I've already been blessed, I've already been blessed, excuse me, by the, the fellowship, watching your people interact and interacting with my brothers and sisters myself. And Father, I've been encouraged by the singing and just the, the last song, one of my favorite songs, I am so glad that you love me. Just thinking that the God of heaven specifically targets me to love me. And each one of us can say that tonight. So thank you for that. And then, Father, the, the offertory, the, the special music by our sisters, just, I'm, I'm so thankful that you died. And rose again to make things new, to restore, to rescue. And so, now tonight, as we look into your word at an issue that we wish we did not have to struggle with, and yet, if we're going to be honest, we struggle with it daily. I pray that you would help us to be aware and to be humble and to understand what specific steps we need to take regarding our understanding of temptation and how it will come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So the Lord willing, next Sunday night is when we'll start to look more in depth at the response of Jesus to temptation. Tonight we just, we want to go through in detail the characteristics so that, so that you can be aware. I'm not expecting That this is the kind of invitation where you're all of a sudden you're eager, man. I just I need to spend some time in prayer, but you might need to. And and it would be really good for you to be aware and to be prepared to respond in your heart as the the Lord leads you. If you've ever noticed a a child or maybe even an adult, when they get scared, sometimes there is a tendency to just kind of cover your face. As, as though not being able to see it is going to make it disappear, make it go away. Like, I can't see it, and so therefore it's not there. It's almost like the ostrich syndrome where I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and bury it. Well, you can ignore the reality of temptation, but that doesn't mean that that removes it. No, you can act as though you don't struggle with it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't struggle with it. You, you may never be willing to admit in any way that, no, I, I do have battles with temptation. I have battles with my attitude. I have battles with my thoughts. I have battles with my spirit. I have battles with my habits. I have battles in my responses to certain situations, man. How many of you know, you don't have to admit this, I'm just asking you to think about it. How many of you know that there are certain situations, man, they just trigger you? <laughs> Someone in your family knows. <laughs> it, it, you can act as though, no, I don't really struggle with that. Or you can understand what's going on and how Satan approached Jesus Christ. And in that, you can, you can begin to find some help and some encouragement when you can be more informed about the way that Satan is going to work and that he's going to and the way that he's going to attack you and actually understand what it is that's being challenged in your life when you are tempted. Now, we're not going to be tempted exactly like Jesus was in this sense. None of you are gonna be challenged to turn stones into bread. You know why? Because you can't, and it's irrelevant. There was a specific purpose that Jesus was being tempted in in these unique ways. And and you're, you're not ever gonna be, probably you're not ever gonna be tempted to own all the kingdoms of all the earth of all time. But you might be tempted to have a little piece of the pie in your time. You're not going to be tempted unless you're 10 years old and believe that you're Superman and you put on a cape, you can fly. To go climb up onto the top of West Valley and jump off. Bad idea every day of the week. And twice during leap years. I don't even know what that means. I just thought I'd throw it out there. It's always a bad idea. No, you're not going to be tempted necessarily to do that in the way that Jesus was. But you you might be tempted to impose upon the will and upon the promises of God. Understand just a couple of general things that the Bible says about temptation. Number one, and we'll see this here, that there is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you wanted to summarize or break the categories of sin up into three categories, it would be that, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. But also understand this, that in Hebrews, that we have, we have a high priest that identifies with our struggle he was tempted in all points like as we are no Jesus was tempted and no I understand that iPads did not exist then and I understand that cars and ridiculous drivers did not exist then I understand that there were certain technological advances and societal norms that we have today that did not exist then, but human nature has been the same throughout the history of mankind, and therefore every temptation in one form or another is what we experience. It may manifest itself in a little bit of a different way because of the advancements and the changes in what is normal in society, but at its root, it's still the same. And this is an encouragement Jesus faced every temptation in, that, in, in, in the nature of what a human is going to feel. He faced it, meaning you're not alone. Here's the difference. He did it without sin, tempted like as you are in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And we'll look at his responses in the coming services, the Lord willing to be a help to us. But tonight we want to examine just some of the characteristics of this temptation. First of all, in verse number three, the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. So the first temptation was this, supply. And here's the question, does God love me enough to give me what I need now? Now, this need can I even say this desire for bread you've been fasting for 40 days he's in a human body he's not just in a human body he is a human he's all God and he's all man he is he is feeling the effect of being 40 days without food and he has this need he has this desire for food it's a legitimate need, and there is, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the desire. But here's the problem with it, specifically what the devil is trying to accomplish and what the devil is trying to challenge. Jesus, when he put on humanity, he did not cease to be God, but he did intentionally lay aside certain aspects of his divinity, He didn't lay aside his divinity. He he laid aside certain aspects of his divinity. And so, Jesus, for much of his life, he received food the exact same way everybody else received food, as it was provided when it was time. And so he's going through this process, and it's, of, and it's of the Father that he be without food these 40 days. And we'll, we'll deal with that spiritual emphasis later. But he's given himself to fasting. He's seeking God. He's going through this temptation. But he has this legitimate need. He has this very strong desire. But it's not yet time for it to be met. And so Satan, the devil, is challenging Christ's confidence in the Father. Does the Father love me enough to give me what I need? Or should I just take this situation into my own hands and get what I think I need right now, regardless of what else is going on? Supply. Do you believe that God loves you enough to give you what you need? If you've been through difficulties in relationships, do you believe God loves you enough to give you what you need? Or do you just want to take matters into your own hands in order to make it stop hurting? If you're going through some kind of loss and you just, you just want to be rid of it, do you trust God's supply in to give you what you need? Or are you developing an attitude of bitterness and resentment? I, this morning I mentioned, I mentioned this. God uses single people. Uh, y'all aren't responsive enough about that. God uses single people. I'm all about marriage. Yeah, thank you, Brother Nate. Two of you are all about marriage. Brother Nate, Brother Brian, I think. Brian Johnson. Okay, for the rest of you. Man, I'm, I'm thankful to be married. Do you understand every adult in the Bible didn't get married? I mean, we're talking about the Son of God tonight. No, no, I am thankful for single adults that live their lives to be faithful to God. One of the dangers of churches like ours, and, and this is just church life in general, that as soon as you graduate from the youth department, there's all this expectation and this pressure. Well, when are you going to get married? You understand, it doesn't work out that way for every single individual. Like, Andrea and I basically got married in the youth department. That's how young we were. People come and they see our engagement picture at our house and they go, what, were you 14? Eh, almost. it's a joke but it doesn't work out that way for everyone and that doesn't mean that someone who is an adult and who is single somehow has missed the will of God God has unique plans for every individual life and yet, as a single adult, you can get frustrated with the pressure. You can get frustrated with certain things that you wish that you were different. And you can say, "Man, do do I really believe that God loves me enough to give me what I need right now? Do I trust His supply? And trust His supply when the economy is bad? Do you trust His supply when there's disagreement, intention?" No, I I need to have this resolved now. Can I give you some insight about friction? Not every disagreement is resolved as it needs to be immediately. No, sometimes it takes time to work through things. In homes, in church relationships, in work relationships, you're not always living on the same page. No, I know we want to always be on the same page, but that's not real life. And sometimes there are challenges. And do you trust the supply of, of God's grace for you to not be known to be right? Isn't it a bummer when you know you're right, but not everybody else that you want to know you're right knows you're right? Isn't that kind of disappointing? So are you more concerned about them knowing that you're right or them coming around and being right with God? And in the meantime, are you willing to trust the supply of God's humility and grace in your life to have a right attitude even when people don't recognize that you're right? Do you trust the supply of God? Does he love you enough to give you what you need as you need it? Number two, significance. And this kind of bleeds over a little bit. Into the, second, into the previous point, but they are different. Significance, does God have a plan for my life? In verse five through seven, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee in the glory of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Now, here's the danger that, that we say in hindsight and looking at Jesus, believing about him, what we do. We say, well, this would be so easy to say no to. Well, if you only think of him as the eternal God, then yes, it would be very easy to say to say no to. But if you also understand that he was fully human at this moment, then you understand that this would have been very easy from, from a human perspective to say yes to. Because Jesus, as God, knew what was coming to Jesus as man. No, I'm thankful for Philippians too. He humbled himself, became obedient to the death of the cross. He's been exalted. Wherefore, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No, I'm thankful that he'll rule and reign. I'm thankful that all the nations will bow. I'm thankful that he will inherit all the kingdoms of all time for all of eternity. I am thankful for that. But in that moment, you know what he was aware of? There's a cross coming. And before that cross... There will be years of loneliness, sleeping in the dirt, the birds having nests, the foxes having holes, me not even having a stone whereupon to lay my head. There will be days upon days and deeds upon deeds where I will minister to people and I will help people and I will give my life to minister and to alleviate the suffering of the clamoring thousands of millions I will pour myself into people only to be rejected by them and after I go through all of that this the weight of the sin of the entire human race for all time will be placed upon me and I will give myself as a permanent sacrifice and the father will turn away from me and I will bear that moment of darkness upon myself alone and right now I could have all of that without going through any of that do you trust that God has a plan for you? No, he was God, right, but he was all man. I'm not saying he doubted it. I'm saying that idea was being challenged. Do you trust that God has a plan? Do you trust that God has a plan when you don't have a child Do you trust that God has a plan when you're diagnosed with a disease? Do you trust that God has a plan when you're lied about or you're assaulted? Do you still trust that God has a plan when your heart is broken, when things don't go the way that you want? You know, it's really easy, please hear me, it's really easy to look at the difficulty and to conclude God does not have a plan. And so many times the temptation that you face is an assault on, that, on the very character of the Father that he, He's just going willy-nilly with your life and He's either unaware or indifferent and He really doesn't have a plan. Significance. Isn't it amazing how the world is clamoring for significance? You know why social network is so popular? Because people want to matter. And we measure ourselves by how many likes, how many people follow. How many people are paying attention to how I made my sandwich and what I put in this recipe and what kind of workout I did and where I went on vacation? You know why that, that, you know why that's in such demand? Because people want to feel a sense of significance. Can I encourage you? All of the followers on social media will never take the place or meet the need for the, for the, for the, the God-shaped hole that is in your life, and here's what's great, you are significant, no, (laughs) okay, I have a Twitter account, do you know how many followers I have, I don't either, (laughs) ask me the last time I got on there, I don't know, (laughs) I found out that some people do follow my Facebook account (laughs) when I got hacked a couple weeks ago, started getting messages from foreign countries. Hey, bro, you know you've been hacked, right? (laughs) I don't ever get on my Facebook. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) Messages being sent out. By the way, if you ever get a message from me on Facebook, just assume I've been hacked until you text me and confirm it, okay? Okay. That's how often I use that. Oh, what is going on? You, you may be well known or unknown on the social spectrum, but you're known to God. Well, if I'm known to God, then why am I going through this? Why is this happening this way? Why are there these roadblocks? And why are there these challenges? And why are there these disappointments? And I can't begin to answer all of the whys to all of those things. I can't begin to answer why everything sometimes seems to be hard and there are challenges. But one of the ways that the devil will tempt you and try to rush you into making a quick decision or try to get you to forsake the truth of the word of God so you can have, I want a little, I want a little piece of this pie right now. I think about Joseph, who was deprived of a normal young adult life. You talk about a miserable single life. You've, you're betrayed as a late teenager. Then you're sold into slavery. Then you're faithful, and, and you have this temptress come towards you. And at some point he could have said, you know what, I've, I've, I've been deprived of so many opportunities in my life. Nobody's here. I've done nothing but good. I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy myself and, and, and have a little bit of the kingdom that I have been deprived. And it's a tragedy how many children of God in those moments because you've suffered and you've struggled and you've given up on the idea that God has a plan for your life and you just give over to gratifying the flesh or to to allowing a a bad attitude in your life, all because you've given up on the idea that God has a plan. And that'll be assaulted. Number three, last thing, security. Supply. Significance and security. Does God deserve my submission? Look at verse 9. Satan actually quotes scripture here. <laughs> the devil knows the Bible. <laughs> That's, okay, That I got to be really careful here. But every joker who stands up declaring, thus saith the Lord from the word of God, you need to make sure that it's actually coming from the word of God. I'm not, I'm not talking about this right now except for this little part. I don't ever want people saying, oh, that's what Pastor Pyle says, so it must be true. Right. Know it. Yeah. Right. Know it in the Bible. Right. Yeah. Search the scriptures daily yeah. to see if these things are so. Right. No, you look at the word of God, and when you hear a message, when you hear a lesson, and you say, yep, that's it then praise God for it. But I've never had a problem with someone coming to me and saying, hey, pastor, I didn't understand this. Or, hey, pastor, can you help me with this? Or, hey, I have a concern about this. I've got no problem. If your spirit is right and you're trying to understand the word of God, praise him for it. Because if the devil can use scripture, you can be sure some charlatan can use scripture in the name of God to undermine. So the devil uses scripture. He puts him up on... Uh, on the temple, on the pinnacle, and, and and said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Okay, so the promise from Psalm was that even, even if he were to fall, the angels would catch him. And so Jesus could have presumptively just said, nope, I'm secure, and I can put this to the test however I want, and I'll just cast myself off of here. But was there anything about Jesus casting himself off of the temple that would fulfill the purpose of the Father for him being on the earth? Not at all. You know what it was? It would have been presumption. That because I'm doing this, I'm somehow, I am, I'm doing this, therefore I am obligating God and I am, I am putting my security on the line and God's going to do it because I want him to do it. Basically turning God into a genie that he does what we want when we want. And It's amazing today how many of God's people act presumptuously and then call it faith. I started off on this point talking about church-related things. And you've heard me in on Wednesday nights especially and then in other applications talk about needing a building. think we do. <laughs> I don't even think it's up for debate, really, from a human perspective. But apparently God knows something different. <laughs> and God has whatever his plan is, it's... He will accomplish it. Now, is it going to require faith for us to move forward? And whatever that looks like, whether it's staying in this property or potentially moving to another property, is that going to require faith either way? Yes. But is it possible for a church to say, no, because we need a building, therefore we're just going to go out and and we're just going to obligate ourselves into whatever financial situation we have to in order to have a different building, in order to have a better building. And therefore, because we're just trying to reach people, we're going to justify it. Is it possible for a church to get itself into financial obligation that God did not intend? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying every time it's wrong. Here's what I am saying, though, is that it would be very easy for a church to say, oh, no, we need it, and there's opportunity, therefore we can just go do it, and we'll call it faith because we're trying to reach people, and therefore it's right, and it's okay. And then we obligate God. No, God, you're going to do this. Why is he obligated to do that? Because we said he is. You say, okay, right, Pastor. Well, maybe you're in a situation where you need a vehicle. And does it ever get frustrating to work with vehicles that you struggle with sometimes? Some of you are being honest right now. Is it a struggle? Yeah, it's a struggle. Didn't God promise to supply all your need according to his riches and glory? Yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean exactly the way that you want And and sometimes we make very rash decisions and we say, well, because I needed this, therefore I'm just going to do it. And can God show mercy and and does God supply? Has he supplied in my life? Has he supplied in your lives? Absolutely. But sometimes we we make these decisions or these steps and then we just uh, attach our reasoning to it or the name of God to it and we say, well, obviously it's a faith and he's obligated to supply. Why? Because you say he is. We talk about relationships especially to our high my our high schoolers our college students hopefully you want romance some of you teen guys are looking at me like huh <laughs> you just woke up <laughs> now hopefully you want romance ladies i was teasing ashlyn today say so you're so beautiful guy's going to want to marry you someday. She's like, no. (laughs) You desire those things. Unless you're Ashlyn. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine with me, because she still has to hit 30 anyway. (laughs) No, I want, (laughs) thank you, Brother Dave. I want, (laughs) no, I want, I want to have I want to have this relationship. I want, I want to enjoy romance. Is, is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. But how many times do, do the children of God, in, in the name of pursuing romance, begin to pursue romance with someone who does not meet the qualifications that God has laid out? Are you ready for this? Namely, are they saved? Are they a Christian? And you get yourself wrapped up into a relationship. Teenagers. Teenagers. How many times do we use this? <laughs> okay, I've said it. You've said it. Sometimes it's true. And then sometimes we're just saying it to make ourselves feel better about anything. You ready? Well, that's okay. I've got peace about it. <laughs> I mean, Jonah had peace. How do you know? He was asleep. <laughs> do you realize that we can make ourselves feel really good about doing the wrong thing sometimes? <laughs> I got it. I'm good. I'm good. How are you good? I have peace. Okay, I'm, I'm glad that your inner state is good, but can I show you how that you're wrong from the word of God? Please understand, God's peace will never contradict God's truth. And if the direction of your life is in contradiction to the truth of God, whatever peace you have is not from God. And you've just basically, you've just taken a jump off of a temple and said, now I'm going to attach God's name to it and then he's going to take care of me because I'm going to do what I want and involve him in my mind. And therefore, it's all going to be good. So consider this. And this is, this is the conclusion. How he was tempted is how you are going to be tempted. You will be tempted to trust God's supply in your life. You will be tempted to trust that God has a plan for your life, and that He that you are significant to Him and that you need to submit to Him. You will be tempted to trust the security of God. And in, in saying that no, I don't I don't need to act presumptuously. I just I need to wait on Him to have what it is that He wants me to have when I have it and be aware of of my tendency to just attach him to whatever it is that I want in my life. How he was tempted is how you are going to be tempted. This will, we'll build on this, the Lord willing, next Sunday night when we look at Jesus' response. But it's good for us to simply evaluate and to say, man, th- yep, this is how I'm tempted. Okay, let, let me just talk with you through it for a minute. You Ready? She is amazing. She is amazing. In case you're wondering, my wife, Miss Ann, she's amazing. Occasionally, she gets on my nerves. Most of the time, that's because of me. <laughs> or <Who are> you. <laughs> but 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 sometimes. Sometimes she's just flawed. You know, sometimes in marriage, and this works both ways with Andrea and I, we want to feel significant to the other. But because of a bad attitude in a moment that the other person is having, we don't feel as significant as we ought to. And so you know what the danger is? No, I'm going to make you value me. Instead of saying, "God, I'm going to have the right attitude before you," and let you work in their heart to help them value me, is it making sense? Mm, God's God's supply. Are you going to give me what I need when I need it? No. Look, I could, I could, I, I really. I mean, you see what you see what prices are doing. I, I really, I really need. More money, and you may legitimately need more money, but there are certain things that you should not sacrifice in order to have more money. And all the money in the world does not replace the need to consistently have time in a church like this. Now, I'm not saying never under any circumstances should a person ever miss. And then you talk about first responders and, and those kind of professions. Don't, say, don't hear what I'm not saying, but do hear this. When we go through economic fluctuations like this, the pressure to have more out of necessity is only going to increase. And the question is, do you trust God to give you what you need when you need it? You're going to begin to shift things around And remove his priorities to make room for your own. There's all sorts of ways that this can apply. So just look at your own life. When you're tempted, it is an attack upon your confidence in who God is in your life. Every single time. So do you trust him? Father, I do pray that you would help us to consider this truth, Lord. And God, I, I do believe this. I believe that I've preached what I was, I was supposed to preach. And so I, just pray, I pray that you would help us to contemplate this and to take some evaluation and, and to make sure that we are aware of what's going on in temptation. It's an attack upon who you are in our lives. And so just to evaluate it, And then to have a better understanding, as we evaluate it, of how to respond to it. And so, Lord, as we deal with that, I pray for your help and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to do it a little different tonight. I just feel impressed this way. We're not going to have an invitation. Brother Nate, you come. Let's all stand together. You say, man, I really felt like I needed to pray. You can pray. Okay, apparently you're not convinced. You can pray. next next Sunday night is when we deal with how we respond to that temptation, the Lord willing, and so we'll we'll look at that. But but take time to give consideration to this and uh, understand that every every challenge, every temptation in your life is a direct attack upon God's provision in your life and His desire to work and give you what you need and all of those things. So make sure that you are considering that in, in, the, in the challenges and in the struggles that you know you face. God bless you for being here. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday and then Sunday. I love you. God bless you.